Awesome. Um, so it's, it's difficult to, to come into fatherhood and not ever have had a father, right? And not to have an a, a, a on-time, all-the-time example of what it is to be a father. And so that's the way I was raised. I was raised by two very strong women. My grandmother raised 10 kids. My grandfather died at 45. She finished raising them. She raised 10 kids by herself. Uh, my mom was a single mom. She, uh, she raised me all by herself, and I was enough trouble for 10 men. And so I was raised with some strong women, and, and it was great, and I learned a lot of great things from those women. But the truth is, is that they, they could never be a father figure to me. You see, it's tough in, the, in today's world when, when you've got so many single moms raising up families because there's not a father figure. A mama cannot be a daddy. Some mamas do a great job and, they, and they're strong and they do some great things, but you still, you cannot be a daddy. Only a man can be a daddy. Amen? And so I'm just, I'm privileged. I, I was, I had a lot of great examples in my life. I had a lot of older men. Uh, much older than me that were examples. They were some of the heroes in my life. They taught me how to bless people. They taught me how to be a man, how to make good decisions, how to work hard. But I'll be honest with you, I didn't really know how to be a man until I met my pastor, Pastor Bubba. Now, he's probably one of the smallest men in my life. But in, in the spirit, he's one of the biggest men in my life. And so he called me this morning at 8 o'clock like he does every Sunday morning. You can set your clock to 8 o'clock Sunday morning. Pastor Bubba's calling. Man of God, what you preaching? How you doing? What's going on? We'll talk about the weekend and then we'll pray together every Sunday morning. And so this morning I was anticipating his phone call and I answered the phone and said, Happy Father's Day. I said, I'm so grateful for you being my father. And he goes, wow, man of God, that means so much. I said, no, I'm serious. I said, "You've you've been a super example to me on what it's like to be a father. And it's funny that God had to bring somebody else into my life to be a father example to me. I learned how to love my wife. I learned how to treat my family and how to raise my kids, even how to discipline my kids through watching my pastor, my spiritual father. And so I I thank God for Pastor Bubba. He's the smallest man in my life, but he's kicked my tail more than anybody else ever has. And so thank God for spiritual fathers, right? So let me give you a little bit of Father's Day history. Back in 1909 in Spokane, Washington, a woman by the name of Miss Dodd was listening to a Mother's Day sermon at her church. As she listened, she realized there was no such day for fathers. So she went to her, she went to the mayor of her town and she petitioned him to to take the third Sunday in June and make it Father's Day. And so he said, okay, that's cool. So then not too long after that, the governor of Washington said, hey, let's, let's make the third Sunday in June Father's Day. And then all the way in 1972, now this started in 1909, but in 1972, President Nixon made the holiday permanent by signing a congressional resolution on Father's Day. That's awesome, isn't it? I'm like, why in the heck it took so long? That woman had a vision back in 19. See, that's what it's like being a man. Sometimes you don't get an attaboy when you want it. Sometimes you don't get a little appreciation when you want it, right? But just hang tight. It's going to come. It may be late, but it's going to come. All right. Let me give you a few statistics. Fathers, uh, we definitely need you in this world today. You all know this. I mean, just by everything that's going on in our society, everything that's just it's on the news. And I hate to even watch the news anymore. But all these things that are going on. There's a fight. There's a fight. The whole world, the world needs Jesus. Yes, the world needs Jesus. 
The world needs Jesus in the form of godly men. Amen. That's how you're going to change the society is by godly men. I'm sorry, but the women have carried the torch for too long. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. A few statistics. 90% of men believe in God, but only one out of six go to church. 70% of boys will abandon church once they, once they leave high school. Over 40% of kids born today will not grow up with a father. This is interesting. If a child gets saved, there's a 3.5% chance the rest of the family will get saved. If a mom gets saved, there's 17.5% chance the rest of the family will get saved. If a dad gets saved, there's 93% chance the rest of the family will be saved. Fathers, whether you believe it or not, you're leaders. Even when you think you're not leading, even when you think you're off the clock, you're still leading. Isn't that crazy? 93% of the family will get saved when the father gets saved. And you know what the enemy wants to do? The enemy wants to tell you that you're, you're not that important, that you're, you're not that great, that you're not something to be made of. You're not something that needs all this attention. You're really not all that good. He's, in society, he's actually kind of dumbed down the man, right? Men are infeminate now. You watch the ones on TV. I mean, they, they have no backbone. They're lazy. The women direct the family. I mean, that's what's on TV. I, I, how do you know? But I watch TV. And I get frustrated the whole time I'm watching. I'm like, man, what's wrong with that dude? What you just rise up? Try that one. Anyway, it's just me. <laughs> Come on, Miss Mary. <laughs> but there's power in your life. And, and so what I want to get you to understand today is that there's power in your life. And there's meaning for your life. And there's purpose for your life. And it's greater than working hard and breaking a sweat. It's, it's, it has eternal results. It has eternal consequences. Your life does as a, as the leader, as the head, God sees you in the front of your family. God sees you as the leader. You're the engine to the family. Come on, somebody. You're the engine to the family. You're not the caboose. You're not dragging behind. That's, that's not the position of a husband or our father It's not to drag behind. He's the leader. He's the one that goes forward. And so the enemy wants to tell you that you're worthless and you're useless and you, you don't mean anything anymore. And, and it's just a lie because it's not the way God saw you. Just because society's changed their mind about men doesn't mean that God's changed his mind about men. God hasn't dumbed down the man. God hasn't feminized the man. I don't know if that's proper English, but you know I'm good for making up words. But that's why our passion for men at OSC is so strong, because we believe that if you if you transform a man, you'll transform the family. If you transform the family, you'll transform the community. And if you transform the community, you can change society. It all starts with a man. It all starts with a man. Let me show you something from first Corinthians, chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. It says to be watchful. Stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. So let me tell you what it didn't say. It didn't say act like women. Men don't make good women. Lord Jesus, wake up. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, that, even if on a bad day, that was good preaching. <laughs> Men don't make good women. Lord, help us. They don't make good women. Men are called to fight. They're called to lead. They're called to do the things that women can't do. If you'll remember back in the garden when God was creating man, he created man. And then he later on, he put him to sleep and pulled from the man a rib and then formed the woman to do what? To be his helpmate, not to be his Holy Spirit, not to be his mama, not to be his leader, not to tell him what to do, not to nag him into doing what he's supposed to do, not to condemn him into doing what he's supposed to do, but to be his helpmate, to come alongside and enhance his life as the leader of the family. That's what God formed woman for. But he formed man as leader. It's incredible to believe that God formed Adam and then he gave him the garden. He said, here you go, buddy. You, you own the whole thing. I believe too many of us believe the lie that we don't own what God's given us. That we don't have any rights as godly men. That we don't have any authority as godly men. So first Corinthians, Paul didn't say to act like women. And secondly, he didn't say he didn't say to act like boys. I'm gonna get on my soapbox here for a minute and I may mess some of you up, but oh, well, 40, 48 percent of men between the age 18 and 34 play video games every day for three hours. The average video game buyer is 37 years old. 48% of men between age 18 and 34 play video games every day for three hours. What am I doing wrong? I mean, why, why I can't find three hours to sit behind the TV and do this? I tell you, it's my soapbox. I'm just going to preach a little bit this morning. How can you spend three hours behind a video game when there's lost and dying people out in the world? There's lost and dying people at your neighbor's house. How can you do that? I mean, video video games are cool when you're a boy. When you're a kid. But they're not cool when you're a man. I told y'all about my experience a couple of years back. I went to the school to bid a job and I was at this school and it was on the west side of the state. So, you know, we'll pray for those people. But this I was at this high school. It was a high school, pretty good sized school. And I'm talking to the contractor and this, these kids come outside between classes and, and these these boys are wearing SpongeBob book bags. And this guy, we're talking business like thousands of dollars. And I look up and I went. And I just watched all these boys, SpongeBob book bags. And I just sat there like this. And the guy was like, hey, 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 uh, what's wrong? I said, I said man, something, something in the milk ain't white. Something ain't right. When I was a boy, you didn't get caught dead with a SpongeBob book bag, okay? Am I preaching hard enough? I mean, come on. It's... If you're a boy, you're supposed to act like a boy. But when you're a man, you're supposed to act like a man. Amen. Boys are born, but men are made. And it takes a man to make a man. 
If you're not satisfied with what your boys look like or your boys act like, you need to change your game up, men. Because it takes a man to make a man. A boy needs a father to show him how to fix his bike, how to cast a fishing rod, how to call on a girl. Seriously. A man needs to teach his son how to chase down the woman. I mean, it's real life, right? I wish somebody would have taught me because, man, I stumbled and fell and tripped all over myself and I made all kind of mistakes. I never had a man say, listen, brother, this is how you, this is how you do that. When you find the one you're looking for, you do this. I wish I'd have had somebody to do that. I didn't. I made too many mistakes. But I finally got it right. Praise God. Kind of glad I made so many other mistakes. Best mistake I ever made. <laughs> but a boy needs a father, a man, to teach him how to do the things that he'll encounter when he becomes a man. The greatest way we can learn about manhood is from the greatest man who ever lived, Jesus. So here we go. How to act like a man. Number one, be watchful. My coach used to say in football, football is my favorite sport. My coach used to teach us in football when you were on defense, you had to keep your head on a swivel. Okay, so when you're playing defense, it means you don't ever just get locked in in one spot. When you're on defense, whether you're a linebacker or a defensive end, I was slim back in those days, so I was a defensive end. And, and he said, keep your head on a swivel, which means this, you got to stay watchful. you got to be looking to see who's going to do this and who's going to do that so you can read what's going to happen next. You follow me? And the Bible says to us as spiritual men, as godly men, that we need to be watchful. 1 Peter 5.8 5, says this, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. As, as men of God with, with children and a family, it's important for us to be watchful over the spiritual aspect or the spiritual condition of our family. I realized the other day I was slipping a little bit. So all my kids at night, now, they, now that they're, they're older, we used to go into their rooms and pray for them when they were babies. But now they, we're getting lazy. They come to us. Right. And so they come to us and give us a big hug and, and we'll pray and just love on them and this and that. And so the other night I realized I'd been slipping on checking them out on their spiritual condition. And so I gave them a hug and while I'm holding them, I said, hey, you've been reading your Bible. Uh, which means no. <laughs> hey, you've been praying. Yeah, yeah, dad, I've been praying. You loving on Jesus. How's your relationship with Jesus? You follow me? I'm responsible for the spiritual condition of my family. It's not Cheryl's job. I can't push it off on Cheryl. I said, well, baby, you take them to church. You make sure they, they get a Bible. I don't care what kind. You just pick it out. And, and you make sure that they, you know, they do whatever they need to do to be good little godly children. Wrong. Wrong. That's the problem we have today. It's too many men have taken their mantle and put it on women to do something that they can't do. I am the spiritual leader in my household. And if the Bible tells me to be watchful because I have an adversary or an enemy that's walking around or prowling, looking for something to devour, then that means I need to take my responsibility serious and understand and pay attention to the, to, to the spiritual condition of my family. Right? I need, I need to check my kids' emotions. If I see them boudin, I need to find out what that's all about. 
And I need to speak to that thing. If they're having relational problems at, at, at school or, or wherever they're I need to help them walk through that. The right way, the godly way. Amen? Some of my first response now to my kids is when they come with a problem, I say, have you prayed about it? I don't want to be the one to fix it. I want to teach them how to get to the one who can give them wisdom to fix it. Amen? Too many parents do too many things for their kids. You need to point them back to Christ. Hey, are you praying about that? Because they have a responsibility also. But you have to be watchful to understand that and to see what's going on. Because you have an adversary. I think you really become watchful when you really understand the value of what God's trusted you with. I mean, we lock our houses, right? We lock our trucks and our cars, right? Why? Because they're of some value to us. But why would we lock the house and lock the car and never watch out for our families? We're worried about the physical enemy when there's actually a spiritual enemy that's walking around that you can't see all the time, trying to steal, kill, and destroy your children, your family, and your faith. The enemy's after your faith and your family. Number two, stand firm in the faith. First Peter 5, 9 says this, resist him, firm in your faith. Talking about the enemy, resist the enemy, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You know what the enemy does is he tries to get, he tries to convince me because he wants me to tat-tat myself. Anybody ever experienced that? You, you want to feel sorry for yourself? Okay, I'm the only one that feels sorry for myself at times, but... The enemy wants me, he wants me to get isolated. You ever watch those, those uh, safari movies or those National Geographic and like the cheetah, you know, you got the guy with the good voice. He's talking about the cheetah and the cheetah's kind of just laying low and the, the gazelles are coming by or the water buffalo. You know what I'm talking about? Which one does he go after? The one that's isolated. Right? The one that he's watching the pack and the one that kind of veers off. Or he may even start chasing. And if he can get one of them to veer off and isolate itself, then he's going he's gonna to gain victory over that, over that thing that he's chasing down. The enemy's trying to do the same thing. He's trying to make you feel sorry for yourself so that you'll isolate yourself so that, that he can come in and he can have power over your life. But the Bible says that you need to be encouraged because there's men all over the world that are struggling with the same struggle that you have. They're having to stand firm in their faith. They're having to resist the devil. They're having to fight. You were born to fight. And you're going to fight until we get to heaven. Amen. I love the way you women just shout amen. (laughs) He wants to isolate you. He wants to make you think you're the only one in the world that has that problem. So he can make you feel sorry for yourself. So why? So that you can quit leading. He don't want you to lead your family. He don't want you to know that there's other people struggling, that there's other men wrestling with the same thing that you're wrestling with. He don't want you to do that. That's why we have men's Bible study all year long. Every Wednesday morning at 6 o'clock, we have a men's Bible study. We call it the herd. It's where we gather men. It's not just so that I have another opportunity to teach or preach or Daniel does or anybody else. It's so that we can get together, build a relationship, lock hands, lock arms, and help one another stay encouraged. 
Daniel did something a couple of weeks ago, just really, really pleased me. He, he, he got everybody, got all their phone numbers. He said, hey, God, we're going to make like a group text. We're going to make like a group of numbers. If you're struggling with this, you're struggling with that, man, call each other. That's what it's all about. That's why God puts you with other men. It's not just to talk about what the fish are biting on or what the, what, what, what the tigers are doing or not doing. And it's to talk about your spiritual condition. Do you have a brother close enough that can see you struggling? I like movies, and I believe there's only really two kinds of movies. There's chick flicks, and then there's all the good movies, right? You know, like Gladiator, right? Lone Survivor, Braveheart, even the latest Rocky movie. I, was, I came out of that thing like fired up, man. I was ready to tackle the world. That was awesome. That's that's great movies. But there's just something about a guy crazy enough to paint his face blue and, and ride on a horse screaming freedom that just stirs up something inside of every man. I'm sorry, but if you're a man, you cannot watch that movie and watch him do that and not have something stir inside of your heart. If, if that's the case, you need to go to the hospital. But there's something about that. I just love that. And you know what it takes? It takes it usually in an in a environment like this, it usually takes one man to rise up. One man to say enough is enough. I've had it. I'm done. I'm done thinking everything's okay. I'm done pretending everything's all right. I'm done giving my wife all this weight. I'm done not caring my own responsibilities. It takes a man crazy enough to get on his knees and say, God, give me back everything that belongs to me. I want to run with it and I want to carry it, Lord. Would you help me? Would you give me grace? Would you give me power? Would you give me strength? It takes a man with a little blue paint on his face. Maybe a few tears in his eyes. God's called us to be watchful and to fight. To fight for our marriage. To fight for our kids. To fight for our finances. To fight for purity. You know, it's, you know what the greatest gifts you can give your kids, Dad, is... There's three, three of the greatest gifts I want to give you this morning. The, the top three gifts you can give your family is, number one, how to have a relationship with God. Number two, how to love a woman or, or a man. I mean, you know what I'm saying. And then number three, how to walk out this life that God given you. In other words, it, it, it involves a lot of things of, of how to get up when you fall. Or how when there's a tough decision in front of you, how you go and you seek God. Your kids need to see you seeking God. They need to see you with your Bible open in the mornings, reading. They need to, they need to hear you praying. They need to hear you crying out to God. They need to, that's some of the greatest gifts you can give your kids is how to have a relationship with Jesus. How to love a spouse and how to walk out this life that he's given us. That's the greatest gifts you can give them. They don't have to be perfect, but let me tell you something. If they got that, they're going to be successful. Right? Men, it should not be our wives' responsibility to make sure we're in church on Sunday. Another soapbox. You know, I hear people all the time as a, as a pastor, you, you know, people give you lots of excuses why they're not at church and. I think I'm going to write a book one day. If I ever write a book, it might be the excuses on why I didn't come to church. But it, it would be a short book. But, you know, uh, but the, the thing I hear the most is, you know, I, I got up and, 
you know, we just didn't make the decision to go. Or, or we just, you know, we, we, we woke up and we didn't, we didn't feel like going. And, and I just want to, I want to help you understand what goes on in my mind. That doesn't register with me. Because I made the decision 16 years ago when Virginia was born that, that we would not stop tithing and we would not miss church. Church is just something, it's a, it's a pillar in my family. It's something we do. And so we, we made that decision 16 years ago, and I've never had to make that decision again. The only decision I ever have to make is if I'm going to skip church. You follow me? You say, well, but pastor, it's just church. You know, it's just Sunday. It's just this. That's the problem. If it's just that, then that's the problem. Because you see, church is more than just getting dressed up and coming to a building on Sunday mornings. Church is about getting together and seeing other folks that love Jesus just like you do. Other folks that have decided not to follow this world but to follow Christ. And you get together with them and they start to energize one another and, and encourage one another. And together we get to collectively worship God. And then we get to collectively hear a word of encouragement and maybe get prayed for. And the Holy Spirit's here because God gets excited when all of his kids come to church. The Bible says when two or three are gathered together, there he is in the midst of them. Well, he's here, baby. Right? I just want to be where God is. Come on, somebody. But we made that decision 16 years ago, and I never had to make that decision again. And let me give you this. If you're you're fighting your kids to come to church, I don't fight my kids to come to church. My kids love to come to church. Well, yeah, you the pastor. You get paid. No, it's long before we got paid. They love what I love. When I read that statistic, that percentage back here when I, that I gave you earlier, that 40, uh, 70% of boys will abandon church once they leave high school. You know why that is? It's because their parents didn't love church. Their parents didn't love being with other godly people. Your kids are going to love what you love. They're going to do what you're involved in. I don't beat my kids to come to church. I've never had to make a rule. Ethan, have I had to make a rule? Do you like being at church? Thank God you said yes. I took a gamble right there. I mean, <laughs> extra scoop of ice cream today, bud. Good job. <laughs> but we're called to stand firm in the faith. We're called to be leaders. Your kids are going to love what you love. Men, you should get them up in the mornings before your wife gets up. You know what it takes? If you're mad at your wife because it takes so long to get to church, then you wake the kids up. You get the kids dressed so that she can get dressed. Come on, women. That was a good time to say <laughs> Hallelujah. I know it's Father's Day, but I had to give you a little nugget. You know why my kids love church? Because me and Cheryl aren't divided on church. We made a commitment to God to be faithful to him, to his gatherings. That's what we do. Your kids are going to do what you do. So number three, be strong. Ephesians six ten says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, some of you in here, I mean, we're in, we're in South Louisiana. Some of you were raised by dads that were strong and you know how to be a, a worldly type of strong man. I mean, you're built, you know, you, some of you young guys, man, y'all, y'all making me look bad. Y'all got muscles still. And you know, I'm 40. My metabolism quit. 
and I'm starting to look like an older man. Not this, I'm just, I fight with wisdom instead of muscles now. But, but you know, the world sees men as a certain, a certain, they fit into a certain box, right? But God, I want you to know something, that God sees that differently. There's many times in the Bible that I see men of God who cry. Men of God who weep. Men of God who mourn. David, the one that killed the lion and the bear and the giant. I ain't going to do my dance today, but he was, he was dancing in the pastures with his harp. Just saying. Just saying. Man of God. I heard a story the other day. Two little boys were talking. They were arguing, actually, about their fathers. And one said, my dad can beat up your dad. Another one said, that ain't no big deal. So can my mom. I'd have said that about my mama. She was tough. My mama could hit. <laughs> but you know, be strong. <laughs> if that woman's beating you too hard, call the police. But, <laughs> but you know, the world sees Jesus and it portrays Jesus as being a weak and shallow man almost. Weak and no backbone. But you know, the reality of Jesus is, is that he had a soft side. He had a sensitive side. But the thing I love about Jesus and the thing that makes Jesus the perfect example to follow is that he was strong enough to walk himself all the way to the cross, to the top of the hill and let him crucify him. And then he was also strong enough to die and to go down into the pits of hell and kick tail for three days or however long it took, get the keys to the kingdom and, and put Satan in his place and then come back out and wake up and rise up out of a grave and then still be victorious. I don't know about you, but I ain't seen nobody else do that. I mean, when's the last time you heard of somebody? I mean, they got these cats that walk around with this big old cross through town. But you know what's funny is they always got a wheel on the bottom of it. I'm thinking Jesus didn't have no wheel, bro. <laughs> Oh, no, cuz you're going to be bold enough to carry a cross. Take the wheel off, man. Be a man. That's just what I feel about it. But, but yeah, that's why you're not seeing me carrying a cross like that. I, I understand it's a spiritual thing. You know, it's not. So anyway, it's <clears throat> my excuse. But when I look at Jesus, I see strength. One of, the, one of the best words I love about Jesus is the Bible says he was meek. And in children's church, I'm sorry, but they got it wrong. At least the church I went to, meek was saw as was was kind of taught as you know, kind of like a you know, meek, like a little kitten, you know, licking its paw. That was meek. That's the way it was taught to me in children's church or Sunday school back in the church I grew up in. But I, I soon learned once I became an adult that meek actually means power under control, and it's kind of like being a parent, right? I mean, I brought, you know the statement you all made. Everybody made this statement. I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. What Kids, listen to me. All you kids, look at me. They mean that, yeah. They ain't lying. But they have meekness. They have power under control. That's real power is when you can, you can control the power that's inside of you. Right? Jesus is strong. He's the best example for us. Jesus faced many adversities, many challenges. He had people constantly questioning him, constantly second-guessing him. 
trying to kill him, trying to knock him down, trying to do all these things. One of the things I love about playing sports and one of the reasons I encourage my kids to play sports is is because it teaches you how to overcome adversity. Especially in a game of football. In a game of football, you're going to get knocked down X amount of times. Right? And then you got a choice to make whether or not to get back up. And all the guys that are successful and that are are these famous athletes, one of the secrets to their, their success is the ability to overcome adversity. In other words, when they got knocked down, when they made a mistake, when they made a stupid decision, when they failed, when they stumbled, when they fallen, they got back up. To me, the true measure of a man is not whether or not he falls, it's how quickly he gets back up. You follow me? Dust himself off. Dang, shouldn't have done that. Let me go at it again. Adversity, they overcame adversity. Jesus overcame adversity. Number four, let all you do be done in love. To me, this is the beauty of Jesus. Is that though he had all the power in the world to call down angels and rescue him from the cross, to come and wipe out all of his enemies, to come and take care of everybody that spit on him and cursed him and all these things. He had the power to do that. Even though he had the power to do that, love overcame his power to change his situation. And everything that Jesus did was done in love. Why do I love being a father? Because I love raising up kids to go further, faster, faster. And better than I did. 